nice to see that some things have actually improved over the years. Is this private? Not necessarily. This is Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, my old friend and teacher, visiting from Scotland. Visiting most unexpectedly from Scotland. This is Luis Marcus. Watch it, she's wanted by the police. I didn't realize the police had such good taste. So, uh, you two have known each other for a long time. Seems like an eternity. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm feeling immortal. Wow. That's you right. Have, you have the quickening. I have the quickening, whatever that is. Yes, because it wasn't explained to you in the quickening. <laughs> yes, so... And that's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend. So, we are spin Polish, like, because we're always spinning. We both happen to be Polish. Any Polish news? Anything happening over there? Oh. My dad called me earlier this week, actually. That's the news. That's the news. (laughs) His dad called him. How is your dad? Is he good? Good. He is good. He said he has the vaccine, so that's that's good progress. He's better than us. Yeah. That's really Mm. good progress. There you go. Um, (laughs) Should I tell this story? Do Um, it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) So my dad, he's a a funny guy. He, um... He's a funny guy. Pretty much every time he talks to me and my brother after, you know, a bit of a gap, he asks, like, oh, so how's the girlfriend situation going? And we tell him, oh, you know, nothing's happening. Um, and then he happened to mention this time, like, oh, by the way, your sister has a boyfriend now. And my <laughs> gut reaction was just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then, like, one second of silence, I'm like, unless you're not cool with that. And even before I finish that sentence, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he, he's, a, you know, he's a dad of a daughter. So, <laughs> so he's cool with that, of course. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, that's great. So that's what's been happening in Poland. Yep. Bartek's sister has a boyfriend and the dad is not cool with it. So there you go. Those That's the Polish news. The president, he's fine, but that is the real news. Yes. Uh, so we talk about movies on our show. This is Pictures Power, where we talk about movie that has come recommended. This episode was a recommendation from one of our listening people and a fellow podcaster, Matt who does some stuff with Miscellaneous. He had a few different podcasts over the time. He had Draw That Out at one point. He had, uh, um, I can't remember the name of the other podcast he had that was really, I really enjoyed it. It was like about like recasting different actors and different things. I think I've heard of this guy a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, graphic artist guy as well. Um, So he recommended a while back the movie of discussion for this, Highlander 2, The Quickening. And I asked him if he wanted to come on and he said, no, I don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> so I said, that's fair. We'll watch it one day. And we finally got around to it. Bartek, should people be warned for spoilers for this movie? Um, I suppose formally, yes. Um, But in terms of my ability to give the spoilers, I'm a little bit half confident, I guess. Let, let's say spoilers for Highlander 1. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Highlander 1, recommend watching it, and yeah. then you can, can hear us talk about Highlander 2. Yeah, That's I already can... saying we're not recommending Highlander 2. I, I'm, confident, I'm confident that I can spoil Highlander 1 if need be. So, Highlander 2, The Quickening. What is your history, relationship, and knowledge of this film? Um, when I started watching internet reviews on the internet... Um, no, you, you, watch you, them on, you watch them on the television. Um there would always be talk of the good bad movies, so I would hear things about like you know Birdemic, Troll Two, things like the that. The Room, The Room, and Highlander Two: The Quickening was always one name that was floated around, but I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen a review of it or an in-depth discussion of it. So it was always one in my head that I didn't know many details of. There were mm. some like pop culture osmosis, like imagery and stuff that I was aware of for Highlander. Um, but I didn't know if it was one or two, and evidently it was for Highlander 1. <laughs> so I had heard of Highlander 2 in the very same vein. I have seen some reviews of it, but they were, like, um, incomprehensible to me because, and this is a part of why what we'll discuss too, is a lot of their reviews were talking about how it's a sequel, bad sequel film, mm-hmm. and refers to the first one. Like, this is what the first one put down, and this is how the second one fucked it up. And it was good, bad in that regard. A lot of the discussion was in that regard. I rarely ever heard 
people talk about it as a good bad movie as a solitary movie that you could just watch on its own it's good bad in the ways like oh if you want to see a shitty sequel to a well-liked movie this and so when they would describe this there was just lots of things that made no sense to me like it's like as if i tried to describe why star trek 5 is a bad film Mm. but you don't know anything about Star Trek. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, 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 what do you mean they meet God? Well, it's not God, you see. It's an alien in the center of the galaxy, and there's this guy called... And, you know, see, there's a lot of explaining to do to justify why that... See, I can't say Star Trek V is a good-bad movie on its own. It's good-bad in the Star Trek world. You need to know that world. This is like this is what I understood with Highlander 2, was, oh, I, I don't... And here's my history with Highlander... I haven't. I don't think I've ever watched it. I think maybe, but I don't know if it's I've, I've ever actually watched it or I just know through cultural osmosis things about it. And I, what I do recollect, I don't think I know anything about it. And I've just watched the second one, and I still walk out going, I don't know what the Highlanders about. Yeah, yeah. You messaged me as you were watching this one, twenty minutes in, that like you were completely lost, and you were hoping that my knowledge of the first one would help us in any way. And I was just about to start watching it, so. Having received that message, I took it very seriously and paid close attention to the first one and felt very confident that I understood the film. And then when I was watching the second one, I'm like, but what about... What? You died. You were beheaded. He came back. So, so... I didn't... I don't know anything about Highlander, really. I... Here's my reference point for it, and I wonder if it's the same for you. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Highlander... What do you know? What did you know about it before actually watching it? And how did you know about it? Do you remember any I, specific points? I know. Up? I know the iconic line of "There can only be one." Yes. And I knew about there was a fight scene in like a square room with stairs going around the perimeter, and they mm. were fighting as they were going up it. Um, and I knew that it was there was a Scottish character. Right, well, it's Highlander, of course. Here's how I know about Highlander. In the film, Talligator Knights, mm-hmm. the story of Ricky Bobby, one of the things, one of the best jokes in it is Ricky Bobby being like, to Sasha Baron Cohen's character, to introduce him to American culture, he recommended that he should check out Highlander, and they <laughs> talked about Highlander a lot, and that's how I know about Highlander, and then the best joke to the payoff is, at least for me in that film, I'm not a big fan of that film, is Sasha Baron Cohen's really good delivery of when they're driving and they're smacking into each other, and he's like, oh, Ricky Bobby, in his French accent, I watched Highlander, it sucked! This <laughs> is like rubbing the wound in more, of there, like, I hate you. Was he driving badly in uh, that scene? I hope so, I can't remember. Because if he was, there's a scene of driving badly in Highlander. The, I mean, there's a scene of driving badly in Highlander too, as well. We'll get to all that amazing stuff. I knew it from that perspective of like, yes, there can only be one. I knew about they were mortal beings, and I think I knew about the head severing thing, but that may have been because I knew about this movie's plot from mm-hmm. reviews. I don't know. I did not watch Highlander for this episode. Bartek did, so Bartek will be a reference point for mm-hmm. that. I wanted to see if this movie was bad on its own rights. Or if it is really like, this needs to be a sequel bad, and I do not know. I can give you a very quick summary of the first film right Please. now. Please. So, the first film, um, first of all, I like the first film. The first 30, <laughs> 40 minutes is, uh, it does that kind of thing where it doesn't give you all of the information, so you're kind of... Lost a bit. You're kind of lost a bit, but you're piecing things together. Then about 40 minutes in, you meet the... Uh, Sean Connery character who basically gives you a lot of the exposition that like really solidifies everything and all the rules. Yes. Um, so the first part of the film, it jumps around between the modern day mm. and the 1570s where, yeah. where the character came from. Um, uh. And you've got this internal mystery of like, okay, why is the same character in both of these places? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So you learn um, eventually that there's this really centuries long essentially battle royale thing going on where various people have been either born or become immortal beings. They've been given the quickening, which it's not fully explained, but it essentially is the thing that makes you immortal except to decapitations. Yes. So the film is, and and there's a rule that you cannot fight in holy grounds, which gets referenced at one point in Highlander 2. It does. It does. It was a weird moment. Yeah. um, And especially since there's an iconic scene in the first one, I reckon. Uh, 
There's a rival character who, for the main character, Christopher Lambert, that exists both back in his own time and in the modern time. So it's, and that's Clancy Brown. And it's Clancy Brown. And if nothing else, that first film was worth it just for him because, oh my God. Yeah. He's um, always great. He's always great. He's always great. He is fantastic in that film. You got to watch that film just for him. Um, and so eventually y- you learn various little bits about our main character's history um, that he's been alive for centuries, hence why he was in the past and he's also in the present. Um, you learn about like his love life back then and how it still haunts him because they it, grew old and died. Yeah, he referenced that in this movie. He does, yes. Um, and the makeup was just as bad in the first film of the wife dying as the wife in this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, it eventually leads up to the ultimate fight between... Uh, good our and main, evil. Good and evil. And at the end of the film... You know, this battle that has been described to us, the rules have been explained, there is only one left at the end, you get this happy ending where- What happened to Sean Connery? Oh, sorry. Um, so Sean Connery, he he's only in the film for like 20 minutes, but it's a very memorable 20 minutes, obviously. I mean, it's Sean Connery. He's this Spanish guy with incredibly Spanish yeah, yeah, clothing. Hold, yeah, Spanish. That was something that threw me off yeah. in this fucking movie. Incre- yeah, well, here's the thing. Incredibly Spanish clothing, incredibly Spanish name, but he's Egyptian. <laughs> Now, please say the Egyptian and Sean Connery's accent, please. Egyptian. <laughs> and he's had three wives, one of which was a Japanese princess who was the daughter of the famous swordsmith Masamune. Then why in this fucking movie, in the second one, he's like, I guess I'm the oldest Scotsman in Scotland, if he's fucking Egyptian. <laughs> I don't know. What did that mean? It, wait, wait, you know, no offense, did the second one slightly retcon it to make it make more fucking sense then? I mean, the second one begins with, like, a retcon of, like, why they were immortal. Uh. They're, like, from the distant past and transport to the future Well, we will talk about that, because we watched the director's cut. Um, Both of us tried to find the original cut, but it was actually really hard. I I couldn't find it. Yeah, just one more detail about it. So, the prize for being the only one left is just vaguely referred to as the prize. (laughs) You don't get too many details about it, but at the end of the first film, when, you know, you got the happy ending, it's described as the main character, Connor, having... The power to, like, understand every human's values and that he now has the power to, like, be the ultimate negotiator for international diplomats to lead to a peaceful future or something like that. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Sounds like a great movie. Yeah. So I didn't watch it and I watched the second one. And the second one, we watched the director's cut of it. We couldn't find the original 89-minute long cut. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently that one's even more incomprehensible. Don't worry, the second one is with the director's cut is fucking nonsense and it makes no sense. I'm just going to say I hated this movie. Mm-hmm. Is this the worst movie we've covered on Pictures Powerwell? I can't, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Is, think... uh, there was no redeeming factor. I was bored. I found it mildly amusing, but incomprehensible. It felt like I was watching a film made by a foreign person who then gave it to an alien to produce. <laughs> like, I don't know what this was. No, the, I think this is the worst. There's nothing here, right? Like, like, I, I, I struggle to get what was happening. And so I was like, oh, Bartek's going to come in and be like, okay, in this first film, this is what this is all is. But then I, I... Does this film make any fucking sense if you watch the first one? Like I said, I, I, I understood the first one. I understood all the rules. The plot that... Because it's we know that this is a franchise, so you assume that the first one establishes all the rules of the franchise. Yeah. I walked in knowing all of the rules, and I feel like it just wasn't important. The only thing that really seemed to remain is, you know, the decapitation is how you kill an immortal. So, but, but like, okay, so, from my understanding, in the original cut of the Quicken- Highlander 2, The Quickening, mm-hmm. they are represented as aliens instead of people from the past. Like, the people with The Quickening are extraterrestrial beings, and they live on this fantastical planet yeah. where they can speak with telepathy. Was telepathy a thing in the first movie? Um, no, but I think right at the end, Sean Connery, I don't know if it was a narration or if he said it to the main character, but he said, like, a line. A line, cool. Yeah. We watched this cut where they don't make them aliens, but people from a distant past, and I'm gonna say this, um, I think the aliens make more fucking sense. Mm. I don't know if you'll agree with that statement, because... I was confused. I thought they were from an alien planet from the beginning because they showed this terrain. They showed these three fucking bold judge guys that didn't speak with their mouths but with their minds and they had time travel powers. And I'm like, oh, these are like 
like Krypton, like aliens, right? But then they're like, oh no, they're from the past. And I'm like, wait, what? Look, as someone who'd seen the first film and I understood that like Connor is from 1570s Scotland and uh, our Egyptian friend Sean Connery, he mentions in that film that he is like 2,200 and something years old. So he's been alive for, you know, two millennia. Mm. Um, so I just assumed like, oh, he was born at that point. Um, their lives up to this point have just been them living. Um, and then them, he obviously dies in the 17, whatever it was, mm. uh, 1570s. Um, so when I see him and our main character Connor together in this like deserty wasteland, I'm like, where is this in the timeline? <laughs> because I, I kept thinking of the film that I kept thinking of with this one was um, the very first Star Wars film, A New Hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because in that first film, he kind of felt like the kind of Obi Wan mentor character. Yeah. Who you see the entirety of their relationship in that film. You don't like have cutaways of like an adventure they would have had between scenes. Yeah. You see them meet, you see the mentor character die. Yeah. And in that film, there wasn't that much cutting away. It was pretty much all in Scotland around where he was living, Connor mm. was. So when I see him in this desert environment together, it's it, it just does not read to me that there's no continuity, it seems. And then you get Michael Ironside in this movie and those three bold guy judges and his retarded henchmen. I'm sorry, there's no other word to describe his henchmen. And they felt like sci-fi alien villains, didn't they? Like, didn't the porcupine-haired henchmen feel like a Power Rangers? The ones who were, like, flying around. Yeah, didn't they feel like Power Rangers villains? They felt very goofy. They didn't feel like they were from the past, correct? Yeah, the the people, the other immortals that we met in the first film all seemed like relatively, like, normal people who have adjusted to the modern day and who live, like, the very first person that kind of fights is a guy that looks like he works for the FBI. He's got, like, a black suit yeah. type. Looks like Agent Smith from The Matrix and just shows you, like, the variety of So people. he didn't have the green goblin hang glider to fly around no, on, it like, was, one of these dudes it was just did. a sword fight in the car park. So the idea that this film is made better because they removed the sci-fi alien aspect, it doesn't work because they obviously did it through ADR, or reshoots, or whatever it is, but you can still see the remnants of that idea in this director's cut. And thus, there's a weird, like, uh, disparate, disparate element here where you go, but I... What? Because the rest of the film's very sci-fi. Mm. You have this ozone shield above the sky, people living in this capitalist society where John C. McGinley will we'll get to him. We'll get to John C. McGinley as evil businessman. Mm. I don't even think he had a name. Evil businessman. And 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 they're like they have a sci-fi prison. They it's so sci-fi. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is Highlander a sci-fi thing? I thought it was like a fantasy thing. Yeah, it, the the modern setting in in Highlander was the eighties, so it wasn't like crazy or anything like and that. And we're a few years away from when this is set. Yeah, we're three years away. So Shit, man, we better get there quick. <laughs> when when the opening narration crawl, text crawl thing happened, it was like, 2024, a shield has been put over the Earth. It was just like, this is not the I- film. <laughs> this is not a sequel to the film I just watched. So you would say even seeing the first one makes no difference to this film? Even the main character didn't really feel all the same. Like, yeah, this... It's 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 such a bizarre thing. Because I messaged you, like you said, I messaged I messaged you saying I'm 20 minutes in, nothing makes any fucking sense. You went in 20 minutes into this movie. Oh, 15 minutes in, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then by the end, you don't care anymore. You're like, oh, it's over. Thank God, Michael Ironside just got his head cut off like a puss. I was fighting to stay awake, man. Yeah, and so many things happened so late in this film too, like. Him killing the the businessman guy. The fight was really quick. Like the fight in the first film was really epic. Well, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's go about it like this. Yeah. What's something you liked in this movie? Is there anything that you enjoyed? Um. Or liked? My favorite was the trivia about the movie where Michael Ironside's like, "Yeah, this is a piece of fucking shit." We all knew it. So I just thought I would have fun and be the most memorable fucking thing in it. Yeah, I, I can always say bless you to someone who has that attitude. But it, Bless it, you, Michael Ironside. We love you, baby. It, it is this kind of thing of like, okay, so you tried to make it a bit more like the Clancy Brown role in the first film, though. Yeah. Because there were a lot of like little things that are the same, like 
the there was a scene in the first film where Clancy Brown was playing chicken in a car, which the train scene in this film felt kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a scene where they were taunting each other in a place that was holy ground, so they couldn't fight. Was Clancy Brown intimidating and scary? In the first movie. Yeah, he was really crazy. Well, he was big. He had the voice. His yeah. voice was like up to 11. So he already beat Michael Ironside with this movie because <laughs> Michael Ironside is never scary. You know what I think Michael Ironside was trying to do here? Mm. Uh, this is around the same period. It felt like he was trying to do Kurtwood Smith and Robocop. Like he was trying to be Clarence Boddicker, mm. where he's like that chaotic fuck you, I'm just going to kill bitches, leave. You know, he, he wanted to have that energy, mm-hmm. which he doesn't. Like, Michael Ironside is the Kurtwood Smith replacement role in fucking Total Recall, but Michael Ironside has a different energy that he brings. And here, it felt like he was trying to be maybe Clancy Brown whilst also being Kurtwood Smith and Robocop, and it felt false. Like, Yeah, I, Clancy Brown had a lot more things going on. He had, like, this leathery kind of look. He mm-hmm. had, like, shaved head by the end. Mm-hmm. He, a lot of his scenes, uh, he would have, like, late motif of, like, electric guitars behind him, and it was just, like, this really intense thing. And the voice, of course. Michael Ironside's also annoying, because you know he's bold, and they've got this fucking long-haired wig on his head, and he just <laughs> looks fake. It's running around, like, with Tommy Wiseau hair. It's just so <laughs> embarrassing. My favourite aspect of the movie was John C. McGinley. I thought he was great. Mm. I wished he was the villain of the movie. Wouldn't it have been interesting if there was no other Highlander... Other immortal, yeah. ...villain? Wouldn't it have been interesting if the villain was just a normal CEO businessman who was just smarter than them? Mm. Like a Lex Luthor type? Yeah, especially since you'd be following up on Clancy Brown as Kruger. And, you know, John C. McGinley is just... You want to punch him, don't you? He had the sliminess. He, and he was so funny knowing who he is. We've had him on the show a few times now, John C. McGinley. Obviously, mm-hmm. you remember him. He was the gay cop in um, Wild Hogs. Yes, that's true. Um, we had him on something else. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. We've had him a couple of times. He's appeared, yeah. he's appeared here and there in our show's filmography. Feels like it, yeah. And it was great because he was being exactly what you wanted him to be, silly. He knew exactly what type of fucking movie he was in. There were so many moments where he just would say a line in his John C. McGinley fashion or pull a face. And it was like, I love the bit where he walked in and he goes to the other scientist guy. Yeah, hello there. And he just like sits down, puts his feet up. He's like, don't, 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 don't think we don't get what you type on the computer into the other room. Of course we do. What do you think? We're stupid. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he played it like. Like, he knew he was in this movie, but not playing it like Michael Ironside was, where he knew he was in a shitty movie, and he was like, I'm going to have fun. John C. McGinley felt like he knew he was in a shitty movie, but he's going to make the best of the situation, and he did. I loved him, and I loved his death, where he got his balls squished and thrown out a window. He just said a line, and it's like, oh, well, you're dead now. It was a stupid moment. So, you really fucked up, huh? (laughs) That line delivery was fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's, because you know it's one of those moments where the script needs his character to die, so they just need him to become dumb at the end for no fucking reason. And John C. McGinley plays it like that. He Excuse plays me, Bull, like- I'm going to poke you now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me just stick my fish in this tank of piranhas, like my face in this tank of piranhas. <laughs> yeah, I'm the fish. <laughs> you know, like, just eat my face. Uh, like, let me just put my dick on this laser. Like, you know, it's so stupid. <laughs> and he played it like that. Like, when he did that, uh, you know, you fucked up this time. Oh my god, I think I died with how corny the lines of dialogue were. I think three separate occasions you had the lines, here we go again, stated, and I, and I wanted to die. But we're trying to talk about positives. Any other things you enjoyed about this movie? Or liked? <laughs> Don't rush to uh, say the female lead. <laughs> Don't rush to say love interest. Who is an eco-terrorist for no reason at the beginning. It never comes into play. <laughs> Don't rush to say oh. <laughs> You're really struggling. I'm looking at I, you. Um, I guess I kind of like Sean Connery in this film, but it kind of leads into the fact that I liked him in the first one. So. Okay, okay, okay. I'll ask you this. Yeah? Sean Connery was a, was a fucking mystifying thing to me in this movie. What was the tone of the first movie, would you say? Um, Overall? Yeah, how would you describe Highlander? 
So I would say the first half hour, 40 minutes where you don't quite understand everything that's going on and you don't quite understand your main character is this kind of um, not so lighthearted film where, you know, there's a lot of violent things happening. You're getting very confused. Um, And then as the first time you see our main character, Connor, in his modern day, it's before he knows he's immortal and he's got all these like friends and family that love him. Mm. And then he dies in battle, which is where you first meet the Clancy Brown character. Um, But somehow he survives that and they all think he's the devil and they like cast him out. And it cuts to five years later. He's living in this windmill, essentially, with a girl. (laughs) And then just randomly Sean Connery turns up. And at this point, the film gets a little bit more goofy or comedic. Oh, because... so you would say Sean Connery's goofy in the first one? Um, w- yeah, wise, goofy kind of thing. Because that's what was throwing me off. This movie's tones were all over the fucking place, the second one, because most of it's, like, deadly serious. You have, yeah. you have Michael Ironside hamming it up, but it's hamming it up in tone with the others. And then every time it cut to Sean Connery, I felt like I was watching a fucking different movie where he's, like going in to get the clothes montage and he's watching the jaunty, scary little promotional, like the safety video on the plane and he's like mystified by modern technology and I'm like, what is this? He's got these wacky hijinks, whereas in the first- And he's pulling faces all the time, like- (laughs) Whereas in the first film, like, he's got this camaraderie with- um, with Connor. With Connor and, and- He's this mentor role, but also, you know, kind of has some, you know, nice lines here and there. Um, like, one of the first things they do is they he goes on a boat with Connor, and Connor's like, fuck, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I can't swim. Mm-hmm. He pushes him over the boat. Connor sinks, and he realizes, oh, I can breathe underwater. And then there are all these moments where, like, oh, Connor- that's so cool. Yeah. They don't do anything with it in this yeah. film. Huh? And then there are these moments where they, they sword fight a lot, which when they meet we up- We see this in this movie. Yeah, but in the first film, it's like there's a- dynamic where like oh at first connor's not so great and he gets defeated easily sword to the throat it's like you'd be dead if it wasn't me things like that yeah you know funny lines like the egyptian line um and and a lot of these kind of you know obi-wan rafiki kind of like mentor wisdom that's a little bit goofy um and also because he is you know like two thousand years his senior he's giving him advice like you know i've had three wives you you've got one here you might actually be happier if you left her because you're gonna lose her forever Mm. Things like that. And then the, his last scene is Connor's not there, but he's fighting um, Clancy Brown. And it's this intense fight where we see the mentor fighting you know, Darth Vader, essentially. And this epic fight, lightning, the building crumbles and yeah. he's defeated. And it, it's a memorable thing. Like he's only in the film for like 18, 20 minutes, but kind of like Jerry last week, his his presence is still felt because he's trained Connor to become you know, proficient, next him, basically. the next him, proficient in in fighting and surviving and knowing what to do. I enjoy, like I enjoyed Sean Connery in this movie, but I didn't know why he was in this movie. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like I enjoyed his energy, but it felt like he was in a drastically different film. Like we cut to him and he's like fucking around in this Hamlet play, and yet this is supposed to be like a fucking Blade Runner world with like a sci-fi dystopia, and yet he has the comedy music, and he's like wearing silly outfits, and he's like on an airplane, and he doesn't eat food that he doesn't recognize what it is, and I'm like, what is this? The first film has a few comedy moments, like there's this one where um, Connor meets another Highlander, I think he's essentially like the third last one that leaves, this like black guy. Um, and he's like, oh, we haven't seen each other in this many hundred years. Like, oh, yes, the incident with that guy in the British colonial times. And then it cuts to, like, this fight scene where (laughs) Connor is drunk and fighting this, like, nobleman guy, and he keeps getting beaten by the nobleman, like, stabbed through the chest, nobleman goes to leave, but Connor gets up and just over and over and over (laughs) again until he gets exasperated and says, okay, you've beaten me, I'll go. And the guy just, like, takes it out on his assistant. So you're telling me... That the first film had comedic moments, but what you're telling me that's really striking to me, mm-hmm. that that's really making me hate this movie now, is they actually fucking did stuff with the fact that they're immortal. That yes. they actually did jokes and they actually did stuff with it. And this, mm-hmm. it's like they drive through a place and get shot a bunch, and that's like the most that they do with it. Like it's Michael Ironside side gets shot. They get shot. That's it. They don't do anything cool with their immortality abilities. Mm-hmm. Like they, that sounds so fucking funny yeah. and cool, and sounds like they had great ideas. Like they can survive underwater, and like yeah, and none my, of that's in play here. Con- like it's just, you know, when you do a sequel, like with Star Wars, you 
you expand the world that you've built. This feels like it just minimized on it, just said, no, 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 no. Let's just shrink it down more and more until it's like, why is this a Highlander movie? It kind of reminded me, this is probably going to be random, but like with, when we did Agent Cody Banks 2, mm. it was the type of sequel where they kind of had the same main character, but they shifted the world entirely. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that were familiar from the first film were gone. It was kind of like that in this film, but then also the film's like a lot darker and a lot kind of less human. Like yeah. I mentioned before, Connor had friends in the first film, like the third last Highlander guy, his old family. Mm. He rescues a girl during like a World War II raid from a Nazi who like, yeah. he, he uses I- immortality to pretend that he was defeated and then takes it out on the Nazi. <sighs> there was just, and, and he's got a relationship with this secretary, essentially, not a love interest that's in the film. And yeah, this character has been fleshed out. And in this film, it feels like... Did he have an old man voice in the first film like he did in this? I don't know. Because that was... I do not know what was up with that voice. <laughs> Could you tell me what that was? Okay, okay. Real talk. Real talk. You knew the movie was shit when you spoke, right? Because at the beginning, at the beginning, it's a gorgeous looking movie at the start, right? The opera scene, yeah. The opera scene, the cinematography, the emotions felt... I'm sure it made sense if you've seen the first movie. Like, that one felt like if I seen... That's like the most... That's like the biggest moment in the movie where I felt like if I had seen the first one, I would understand this because it's him like reflecting about being the Highlander and remembering again. Yeah, but he's remembering retconny stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's which, the only weird thing. Weird thing, but like, you know, and he's weeping, and you have the guy be like, "So it's time to leave," and he just goes, "I understand that." <laughs> what was that voice? And that's when you knew, as soon as he fucking talked, the movie's going to be shit out. Yeah, this opera scene, it's very slow, but, like, very dramatic. I feel like there's some sort of artistic message here. You know, he's waving to someone across, and it's, like, really artistic, and then... (laughs) And then he goes to a bar, and some woman's like, You fucking destroyed the world, you cunt! And he's just like... And I'm like, what is this? Is this a comedy? Am I supposed to find it hilarious? Because I didn't think his old man makeup was that bad. It was fine for what this had to communicate across. Yeah, physically he was fine. Then he talked. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I blew out the mic. Then he talked. And he was like, what the fuck is this? What was that? I don't know. This movie... Honestly, as much as we've said these things, there is no redeeming factors to this. This is like a slog. I could not see... And I watched this with my wife. So it wasn't like I watched it like you did, alone. We've mm. talked about this. Good, bad movies are great when you're watching it with other people. Yeah, and usually in, in instances where I've seen a good, bad movie alone and didn't have a good time, I could see how it would work with another person. This? I can't see it. This was just too boring. There wasn't enough wacky, funny shit in there. Like, I didn't really laugh that much at it. It was just kind of like, what? What Okay, there's a shield. And I kept saying to myself, Bartek will explain how this connects to Highlander. But now that you've explained that it kind of really doesn't matter, would this film have worked? Okay. Would this film have worked better if it was just its own sci-fi thing? Like, does this need to be Highlander at all? Can't this just be about an old man who's accidentally let the world fall into tyranny because he made a shield that's protected it? Now it's weaponized to use to tyranny. What does this have to do with Highlander? Yeah, really? what you know does that what? matter? Even even if you can like rework the whole like remembering his past thing, like I could see it working, like and making it the film better, of course. <sighs> And you can make it, and this makes so much sense now. There was a line, there was a trivia piece, and I didn't understand it because I Rachel read it to me before I watched the movie, mm-hmm. which is John C. McGinley on purposely lowered his voice to sound like Orson Welles. Uh, there was a trivia point like that, yeah. And then I think, wouldn't this movie be great as a sci-fi Citizen Kane, where you have him as an old man and you ping pong around his life? So that's what they do in this movie, right? They ping pong back to him in the 1990s and his wife's dying from the soul over. Wouldn't it have been interesting and forget the Highlander? Yeah. Would this movie have worked much better if they just it because I wonder if this was an actual script made specifically for Highlander or if they had a pre-existing sci-fi script and they just tinkered Highlander into it because that's how it feels. It feels like a pre-existing sci-fi script and they just chucked Highlander in there for some reason and I'm like okay but what does this have because as someone who didn't watch the first movie I I didn't gain anything out of the Highlander mythos here and it sounds like it's to someone who did watch it 
I was really let down. I thought there would at least be a bit more substance, yeah. Yeah, it's not like they expanded upon any of the Highlander mythos, did they? No, they retconned it to make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I reckon this could work as an interesting little sci-fi human character study film in which you have an old man like 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 a Charles Foster Kane type who's a recluse whose empires run without them and has made everything worse. Yeah, and he used They've to be a hero in a hypothetical prequel. Lost their wife, yeah. their loved one, you know, like, and they're reclusive and now the world is like, what the fuck? And, like, and you flash back to his life to see how he's gotten to this point of being a young, idealistic man to saving the world and then, oh, I'm kicked out of the company and oh, that John C. McGinley, you know, like, all that. But instead, it's just like, and then Michael Ironside jumps at them and... <sighs> There was a moment to, oh my God, the editing. Mm. None of it made any sense. Could you explain this to me? I'll try my best. Michael Ironside runs out and gets hit by the truck. They're driving to the, like, uh, place, the coordinates. They're driving to the coordinates that they got from the fellow scientist man they met in prison to see where the shield is breaking. Right? To go above the ozone layer. Right, there was a prison named Max or something, right? Max Prison. Yeah, yeah. Um... They drive in a truck, like an armored truck, and they hit Michael Ironside, and they're like, fuck yeah, and then Michael Ironside is revealed to have gone underneath the truck, Cape Fear style, and he crawls out from underneath the truck, and he starts attacking them, and they're like on a highway, on a road or something, and they just kick him off, and he just stands there in the middle of fucking nowhere as they drive off to the p- location where they have to climb up the thing and be on top of a mountain and look at the mountain where the mountain is above... The shield, you remember this? Somewhat. You better, because here's yeah. my question. Michael Ironside's left at the road in the middle of fucking nowhere, cut abruptly from them in the daytime looking at the shield, cut abruptly to Michael Ironside hanging out with John C. McGinley in the office again. Is this where he becomes the partner? No, no, this is after. after. He's playing with a crystal ball on the desk and rolls it off the desk. And, and you know, that's what Michael Ironside does, complaining that, where did they go? What do you mean, where did they go? You could have just kept following them. Like, it makes... Like, <laughs> how did you get back here so quickly? I know he's immortal, but it's not like he has super speed. He didn't have a car. He was in the middle of fucking nowhere. It would have made more sense if he just kept running after them. Yeah, it would have. Because do they get fatigued? Like, uh, would he run out of energy running? I don't think so. They can survive underwater. Yeah, he can breathe underwater. Like, that would have been an interesting twist on the mythos, right? Like, maybe he's just kept running this whole time because, you know, he gets tired, but he can just keep doing it because he has this, you know, he's he's an immortal guy with abilities. But instead, hard cut, and he's back with John C. McGinley just hanging out. I I think they can get, like, beaten and tired, maybe? Because, like, when... Yeah, when he was being outcast by his old friends when he just realized he was immortal, like, they were trying to, like, crucify him, burn him, and... Oh, in the first film? Yeah, and when they exiled him, he was kind of, like, staggering a bit, but that might have just been because he hadn't taken the wooden thing off his arms yet. Yeah, and also, like, they do have to take time to recover from physical injuries, but if he's just sprinting, mm. I don't know. Like, And again, that that could be something you could build upon, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they built upon any powers, he, powers here, you know? like no. Again, they didn't. I don't even think they mentioned the word quickening in this film. Here's an example. X-Men. Mm-hmm. X-Men 2, you've seen that film? I have actually, yeah. One of the greatest moments in the film. Do you remember how Magneto broke out of prison? No, it's been too long. Oh, how could you forget? Spoiler alert for X-Men 2. He gets Mystique to be a pretty lady to seduce the prison guard, get him drunk, and inject him with iron. So that way... When he came back, he pulls the iron out of his blood and makes little metal balls and breaks all the glass and makes them into a disc so he can hover out. Mm -hmm. Expanding upon Magneto's abilities in a way that made sense. See, you're elevating the power set from the first film. He could have done that. You see that he could do powerful. But isn't that cool? He's building upon the world. He's saying, oh, that's cool. Doesn't happen in Highlander 2. You don't get anything like that. What does Michael Ironside do that's different to Clancy Brown? He's just a guy with long hair and a stupid scar on his face. Like, yeah, there's know. nothing different. I, I, can't, I can't remember the details. I think whatever Sean Connery was doing as he was dying to, like, hold up, that might have been something different, but even I can't even remember what that could, was. Could you please tell me why Sean Connery had to die there? He managed to push the thing back up, and he's just standing there chatting, and they walk out. He could have just walked out too, right? 
after he deactivated his powers, it seemed like he had a few good seconds to leave. Yeah. It made no sense. Unless that's all of his powers and then that's what kills him. Like, he's overused his powers. Like, yeah, you spent so long, like, him trying to reunite with Connor and then they feels like he didn't even spend all that much time together when they did. The editing in this movie, like, there were so many points where I'm like, wait, 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 we're in the past now? Because it's especially confusing when, when he gets young again, mm. when they abruptly cut to the past, and you're like, wait, wait, what's happening? What's Oh, 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 right, this is the past. Mm. Okay. But with the dying wife? Yeah, with the dying yeah, yeah. wife, and they had one or two other moments where it was the past, and I was like, wait, what? Mm. Wait, what? I don't know what's going on. Like, them making the shield happen, and like, oh, right, right, like, because this film's nonsense, like... I I can't fathom how they thought that this would be a good good movie or a good sequel, <laughs> and evidently no one did. Everyone knew it was going to be shit. I guess one bit of con- continuity is um I in both films I don't buy um the main character falling in love with the female lead. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to talk about our female lead in this one? Like... Was she more or less pathetic than the female lead in the first one? Because this one I think is one of the most pathetic female roles i've seen in a movie it's really forgettable why is she here she was like she was like a terrorist at the beginning and and then she's just there and they just make out suddenly and that's they're in love and then she's just there yeah in the first film the 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 love interest the one that we see die in this film was a detective uh, sorry she was a forensics person working with the police who you know found like bits of the sword from the beginning fight scene and like was following up the whole film Eventually, like, right near the end, like, it's leading up to the climax, sort of, you know, maybe half an hour left, 25 minutes left, Mm. they have a scene where he shows her proof that he is immortal, he gives her a knife, forces it to stab him, and then she realizes, like, oh my god, you're immortal, and then they kiss, and it was just so sudden and out of nowhere, and then in the next scene she gets kidnapped by Kruger, the Clancy Brown, and then it's like, oh, your love interest is in trouble. So it like felt very convenient. But it sounded like she at least had agency in the plot before that, right? She yeah. was investing. She, she was- had a whole film to be on the screen. What was this character there for? Like she was just some woman who was blonde, and that's it. Yeah, I don't know. She got to climb up a ladder, and I got to see her butt while she did it. It's like, is that all that she was there for? Was just to be the quota of the romance? I guess. This is... It's like... I seriously have forgotten a lot about it, and I watched this film only a few hours There was a moment. I lost it. I lost it. I went, no, fuck you. This was my fuck you moment to the movie. Very late in. Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert drive through the Max prison and get shot a million times to death from all angles through the car. The car crashes... Then they open up the boot of the car, oh. and she's in the boot <laughs> yeah, of the car, perfectly funny. fine. How did they know she was there? How did she not die herself? They shot through the entire fucking car. And then here's the thing. Why was she even there? What did she offer? Because all she did was just stand there and talk to them, and then they came back to life and just punched the guys in the morgue. They could have just done that anyway. They didn't need her. She didn't offer anything to the fucking plot. She's so forgettable that I, I, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that scene did happen. And that was my fucking and, moment. I'm and like, now oh, that is so And fucking... now it's one of the few things I remember her doing in the film. Because oh. she has this weird reaction of like, hey guys, I was just in the back of... <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. They were treating it... She didn't even act like I was kidnapped. She was saying that she was kidnapped, but she wasn't acting like, I got kidnapped and they, and see, they tie my wrists. Please, this is my car. They took me. It was like, oh, you found me, guys. Hey, guys, I'm in on the plan. You want to come talk to me as I bullshit in front of you? Like, it's so hecka. <laughs> <laughs> like, even in Star Wars, right? Mm. I know we keep bringing it up, but you know, there's that moment in A New Hope where Han Solo's pretending to be a stormtrooper and then he just like, ah, fuck it, and shoots the thing. Yeah, yeah. That At was... least he pretended for a bit. Mm-hmm. She didn't even have that. She was like, hey, guys, hi, he, 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 hoo, hoo, hoo. I'm like, what is your deal? Is this, like, and then that goes again to the tone. Is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be sad? Is it supposed to be a serious action drama thriller? I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going for. Like, I genuinely enjoyed the safety commercial thing Mm. that they had on the plane. But then I said, but wait, this doesn't match any fucking thing else in the movie. Because this, again, Bartek, you only watched a little while ago for the first time Robocop. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
It made sense in RoboCop, right? Because RoboCop had a black sense of comedy throughout the entire film. Yes, absolutely. And you got the sense that the world, although a bit silly, was still very intense and serious. You still had rapists on the street. You had a corrupt businessman. You had Clarence Bodica. But then you had, like, it's... The comedy in RoboCop was commenting on something about society. What's this one commenting on? The safety commercial where the plane crashes and all that. Like, what's that saying? When What's this film's universe saying about modern day society? Yeah, it just felt like a comedy skit from a ridiculous movie. It's like something that, um, I don't know, you'd see in like Naked Gun or, or Airplane or something. Yeah, or something you would see in Robocop, but it would make sense in Robocop because the whole world is commenting on the greed of capitalism in a comedy sense with, I'll buy that for a dollar, to the literal evil sense of the businessman is Dick Jones, second in charge of OCP. OCP runs the cops. You know, you're mm. a cop, right? It, it all makes sense. But here it's just like, and here's a little comedy moment where it feels like, you know what it feels like? It feels like an adult swim sketch. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, you'd you see it in, like, a comedy thing. It feels like too many cooks. Mm. You know, like, like, that kind of weird thing. Like, here you go. It's like, you know what we're making fun of, but it's a joke. doesn't make sense in this movie. Like, I liked it, but it, I was like, what does this have to do with any fucking thing? Yeah, Adult Swim or Zucker, Abrams, Zucker, whatever they were called. We, we covered uh, Enemy Mine last week. Mm-hmm. A sci-fi world that we only got to see a small corner of, but you got an understanding of what it was like. It was a funny movie, too. The comedy made sense in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's Like, for instance, there was a conveyor belt scene in that movie where the music fucks up, remember? In Enemy Mine, when, when they got Dennis's, Dennis Quaid's body, and mm-hmm. he's on the conveyor belt, and yeah, you have yeah. the church music, and then you hear the tape warble, and it craps out. Yeah. It was funny, because we already understood the world that the humans lived in was a fucked up, degradating society, yeah, right? Yeah. Where and things are breaking apart. And-, yeah. and even at the beginning, we got some of their personalities, like, you know, the American bravado of like, oh, casually, yeah, we killed a guy. They killed one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually commenting on something. I don't think Highlander 2 is commenting on... Is this commenting on the environment? Is it commenting on capitalism yeah, with business. John C. McGinley? No, it's just having those there because that's what you have to have. Mm. John C. McGinley has no right to be in this fucking movie. His character has no right... He, he, he doesn't show up until like halfway through the movie and I'm supposed to give a shit about him? Again, back to Robocop, Dick Jones is there from the very fucking beginning. They don't pussyfoot around with Dick Jones. Yeah, you know who every character is in that film. He comes in, John C. McGinley, I don't even know his character's name, I just know the actor. He comes in and then he's out. I barely remember him from before the scene where, you know, the partner's scene. Well, that's when he first shows up is when, like, uh, they have the computer conversation. Mm. And then it randomly cuts to a shot of John C. McGinley. You don't know where the fuck he is and he's just pensing his fingers like Mr. Burns in another room. And you're like, wait, 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 who's this? I knew because I was like, John C. McGinley's in this movie. I was like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then there he was. But it made no fucking sense. It wasn't even... You know what they needed? Mm. They needed to have... And they did have these... You know how they had the little commercials that they were playing? They should have had a commercial or a news broadcast or like a speech with John C. McGinley's character talking about like, business is booming. and like establish him. Being a symbol in the society and and a figure of tyranny and propaganda... Fuck, Super Mario Brothers, the movie <laughs> yes, that's so much that's fucking true. better. That's true. <laughs> they said the King, King Cooper Coop. pictures everywhere, yeah. And he had an overbearing... Pre- fucking hell. If Super Mario Brothers, the movie, can do better with its sci-fi world building than Highlander 2, you know you're in real fucking shit. Man, is what else do you want to say? Were there any real big what-the-fuck moments for you? Or like, what? Things that took you off guard, confused you, just dumbfounded you, whether they were just on their own merits or this being because you just watched the first one, you got thrown for a loop. I mean, Sean Connery's here. I don't know why he was. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if they explained. Uh, maybe it was like the prize thing. He said his name and he came back. I don't know. <laughs> he was supposed to be dead. It's like if Empire Strikes Back came and, you know, Alec Guinness is back for no explanation. Well, he's a ghost, so it's fine. But like physically back, like not a ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any any moments that you want to talk about in this? Any other things? I... It's this one would be so forgettable. The end fight is pathetic. Yeah, again, compared to the first one, it, it like it's embarrassing. Michael, I- oh, here's a question, and maybe this ties back to the first Highlander. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't. 
was Michael Ironside's problem? What did he want? What was his issue? I didn't understand what his issue I don't was. Know. Was he like pissed off that he that that Connor won in the first film? Why did he need to go into their timeline and kill them? I don't know. I thought the whole They kept saying he hasn't made the choice yet. I'm oh like, well, right. What was this? Right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was some I can't remember if it was explained in the first or second film, but like when you get the prize, you get to choose to either there's like two options and the second one's like grow old and die and the other one's something else. And I think they mentioned that Connor hadn't chosen one of them, but he was old. So doesn't that imply that he picked the second one? But what was, that's the thing, central villain. What's his issue? What was his problem? Do you know? No. There you go. I barely understood that whole like flashback thing when I was watching it. I think after like Mm. later in the film or when I was reading the synopsis, I understood like, oh, Okay, it's retconning their backstories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Again, villains. You need to make them make fucking sense. All I knew was he just hated our main heroes because they were the main heroes. No other reason. Clancy Brown, I'm sure he had a motivation in the first movie. I'm sure he wanted to be it, the one and only. Yes, that absolutely. And he was like a bloodthirsty night guy, so of course he wanted to fight. This guy, like... Michael Ironside felt like he was supposed to be, like, a mixture of, like, a, a supreme general of some kind of military force, whilst also still being, like, a Mad Max crazy man who's just, like, crazy. Woo! Mm. Again, Robocop. Clarence Boddicker in that movie has a motivation. He wants to be the kingpin of the city. He needs to kill these cops. He needs to do this. And he's doing this in aid of Dick Jones, the bigger villain who has a motivation all of his own. He wants to be the CEO and he wants to rule the new brand new city and install his robocops. I understand the motives. Darth Vader, I understand the fucking motives. Lord Humongous, I understand his motives. He just wants the guzzling. Give him the guzzling, please. He's saying he's asking very, very nicely, right? In, in Mad Max 2. He just wants it. He says it in his eloquent voice, where he's just like, please give it over. <laughs> like, fucking Bane in Dark Knight Rises. I understood his... I do not know what Michael Ironside wanted in this. I don't know what he wanted, and I don't know what his they, fucking they problem was. They tried to make it more complicated than the first film, which had a simple villain, and it did not communicate. Yeah, sometimes you can just have a simple villain who's like, I want to kill you. But you need to have a reason why they want to kill them. I don't know what his reason was in this, other than he just didn't like him. I didn't understand, like, wasn't he better off where he was? Where, like... I think he would have been just fine if he did nothing. Oh, and then there was this great moment, too, when once he arrives in our city, in our world, he has that whole thing where he's like, I think I'm gonna like it here. I want to rule here. Why? He didn't experience anything to make him feel that way. To draw another parallel, Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone. You have Wesley Snipes as a criminal from the past, and he's woken up with Sylvester Stallone as well into a PC-cultured future in which everyone's weak. So, of course, he's going to like it here because now he can fucking rule with no no opposition. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Criminal in a world of people who don't know what violence is. Of course he's going to want to stay. What did Michael Ironside want in this city? He's like, oh, I'm going to love it here. I'm going to rule this city. I'm, ah. Why? What did you What did you see here that you're like, yeah. Because I can be a bad guy here. Because they got cars. <laughs> you have time travel. I think that's fucking more important. Mm. Yeah, comparing to the first film, the final fight was pathetic. And this film's equivalent of applying the rule of no fighting on holy ground was way less interesting because in the first film it's at an actual church when people are praying and clancy brown is just not using his indoor voice he's talking about how he raped. <laughs> does he ever have an indoor voice it's clancy brown. <laughs> exactly he's talking about how he raped a woman like centuries ago people are getting offended and leaving and he has this one-on-one conversation with a priest where he's like feigning you know apologies and then he goes to kiss the priest's hand and like licks it like all the way up and the priest just gets disgusted it is just this glorious scene and my brother was passing by and he and I have both played the game Jack 2 where he plays like a dictator character yeah, and he yeah, uses yeah. like the exact same voice and I'm like hey look Oscar Baron Praxis is being a prick and he's like yeah I heard I love it I love it you know and I... 
Thankfully, this didn't kill the franchise. There's more Highlander material out there. Unfortunately, it did kill Christopher Lambert's interest in it. I mean, he appeared in the pilot of the TV show, and there's a couple here and there, but it made him really feel like, well, I'm never going to step in this universe again, which is sad, because my grandmother apparently really liked him as an actor in the first movie. I don't know if you, you cared much about his performance in the first movie. He was a lot more intriguing in the first movie, because, again, he was very human. And in this... You could tell he cared so much about it, but there's just nothing to work with. Mm. Like, whenever he was allowed to be charming, he was genuinely charming, but there's just nothing to work with. Yeah, he had a lot more to work with in the first Although, film. Although, I'm an old man. <laughs> Somebody should have stepped in. Somebody should have stepped in and said, Chris, no. Bad act, bad actor, bad. <laughs> both of these films... Roll up the script and hit him on the nose, bad actor. <laughs> well, I think both of these films struggle with old makeup or old characterization for younger people so yeah that's fine that's uh, you know it's, it's okay sean connery is a spanish egyptian so i think that's the lowest thing down on the list in comparison to that <laughs> um are you interested in exploring any more highlander material i've heard that people have been using there can only be one to describe the fact that the first film is the only good one so probably i heard the tv show is all right well, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm happy with just the first film. Personally. You don't want to watch all 100 episodes of the Highlander show? I didn't realize it was that long. There's a. I looked it up on IMDb and they said there was like 101 episodes or something ludicrously high. If is it like a prequel show? About- no, I think it's like a sequel show because this sequel here gets totally re- ignored mm. in the other ones. And Christopher Lambert's like he's handing it off to the next Highlander. It's like, here, you're the next... He's the Sean Connery the next to... next immortal. Yeah. He's the Sean Connery to the next immortal being, I guess, in the first pilot. Yeah, I, I, ju- I just struggle to see, like, what what is next in terms of, like, what the ending of the first film. Because it just felt like, here's a happy ending. There's no more to be done with this story. So, yeah, it just feels like... St- it feels like a standalone film. Yeah. That's understandable. I, I would totally get that. Highlander 2 is garbage. One day I will check out Highlander 1. Don't worry, but it sounds intriguing. Mm. I definitely recommend but, the first one, but second one... But this no. is this is garbage. This made no sense. I had a good chuckle, though, when it was like, and now we're going to destroy the shield generator. And I'm like, oh, how are you going to do it? Are you going to just turn it off? No, I'm going to step in it. He just stands in it. And then Sean Connery says... It'll take the power of both of you to destroy the shield or, like, destroy the thing. And then he looks at her, and then it explodes. And I'm like, that's not taking the power of both of you? What are you talking about? That's not how that works. Maybe he was thinking of a different thing. I don't know, but I thought it was really funny. You know what I said? This is me. I go, wait, wait, wait. So the shield got fucked up because his body was in it. Why did he need to do that? Couldn't he have just dragged the dead villain's body into it and just throw that in? Doesn't need to suffer again because they do feel suffering. They do feel the pain. Mm. It seems like like they don't like. Ugh. But I guess he's a masochist. I don't know what his deal is. I guess one last point: the soundtrack for the first one was so much better because like every song was Queen. <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't Queen. know that about the film, but just every song was Queen, and it was great. <laughs> oh, you're you're the Flash Gordon then. Mm. Flash. Well, that one's was, was specifically made for Flash. I don't know if Highlander one was specifically made or they just gave them songs. There were a few songs that were appropriate, like during the montage of the wife getting older, "Who Wants to Live Forever" was playing. Nice. There's a in both these films, he says the line, "It's a kind of magic." Nice. And so, yeah. No recommendation from us. Highlander two is the worst movie we covered on Pictures Power. Not the worst movie we've ever covered. But on Pictures Power, I may have to go through the list, but I think this is, uh... Mm. You know what's funny? Yeah? You seem, though, here's the thing about you, about you, although you didn't like it, this movie, you seemed more buzzed about it than you did the Neon Demon, where the Neon Demon felt like it traumatized you, where you're like, yeah, guy, oh, but this... This is a, so much worse than that, right? Like, I mean, you didn't Neon, hate that movie. Neon Demon's one that I'm like, I think I'll like it if I watch it again. This one is like, I'm done. Yeah, Neon Demon's like an auteur yeah. giving you their vision and you weren't accepting it straight away and maybe you will next time. But this yep. is like, this is trash. Yeah, I I've, I think I've said it multiple times on this show, Pictures Power, even way back in like... The, the Talking Heads movie that you recommended. True stories. There's been a bunch of films that I'm like, I think I need to watch this a second time to give it a fairer go. Yeah, exactly. Me and, too. And this one, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, this is the worst thing we've watched. Yep. 
What is your recommendation for next week's episode? Because it is your choice or next episode. We're going to actually be taking a week off. Oh, uh, that's true. Yep. I got my anniversary coming up and I just mm-hmm. want to spend time doing that and mm-hmm. just living. Yep. Um, it's a film I have seen before, but I didn't quite, it kind of relates to what I was just saying, didn't quite watch it properly. I watched it at school. I was dicking around, so I need to give it another chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a returning director for us. It is the 2005 movie called Brick by Ryan Johnson. Cool. I've only, I've heard great things. I've not mm. watched Brick myself, and I, I can't remember if, if this is the one where people say this is what got Daniel Craig, James Bond. I know that I there's a movie or two it. where he's in Brick. I'm sure he's in Brick. I can't remember. I know Joseph Gordon-Levitt is. Um... Okay. I thought he was in Brick. Was he in one of Ryan Johnson's other movies? Because that's why mm. Ryan Johnson had him also in, in Knives Out. Because was that maybe another one like Layer Cake? I'm not sure. But, but yeah, this is this is one of those films where... I'll explain it in my history next episode. But yeah, right. I need to give it a fair go. Yeah, I haven't seen much of Ryan Johnson's stuff outside of Knives Out and the Star Wars movie. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how this one goes. Okay, Bartek, I'm excited. Hmm. You got me with one that I didn't expect you to come out with. Because sometimes when Bartek does his recommendations, I'm <laughs> like, okay, it's going to be something I know he knows. Yeah. But this is this is good. This is one that you, you've seen it, but... You want to know more about it. You want to give it a fairer shot. Because, yeah, I know that's that feeling when you're in high school and you're watching a movie that they've put on or you're watching something. Yeah, and, like, eh. and the, te- the teacher wasn't... I'll get into it next time, but the teacher wasn't there. And when he came back, it's like, what do you guys think? And we were just like, oh, we didn't like it, but we weren't paying attention, so it wasn't fair. Yeah, bummer. And their heart was broken. Yep. And they're like, please... <laughs> My name's my name's Johnson. I, I really, Mr. Johnson. And I really, really like that teacher too, so I I felt guilty for the past Let's years. Let's get him on the show. So We know a guy who knows him, but yeah. There you go. We know a guy who knows a guy. We're Saul Goodman. Uh well, pleasure, Bartek, talking about Highlander with you. Highlander two. Highlander and Highlander two. Highlander two's less of a pleasure, but yeah, no, it's still a pleasure, yeah. No. It was terrible. Uh people, you can find us on those social medias, Facebook and Twitter under Spit and Polish Presents. We have our email, spitandpolished at gmail.com, where you can email us with your questions, queries, thoughts, concerns, and or recommendations. You can recommend movies to us that we will cover for you. We'll add them to our list. So if you have a movie that you think that we should look at, discuss, let us know. You can email us or hit us on the social medias. All of this is in the description of this episode. Yep. Give us recommendations. It all goes in the list. Even Highlander to the quickening. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Thank you. Now, we have to kill you, Matt, because there can only be one podcasting host. Mm, yep. And then I have to kill you, because there can only be one. There can only be one. Well, guess what, Ryan? You have another podcast, and your co-host is uh, your my, wife, my right? Wife. Well, she's not here, is she? <laughs> yes, but she... There's only be- one now. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one, but just for a bit. Just for a bit. Then it, then they'll come back in Scotland. Yeah, it's, it's not like I only come here once a week. There you go. All right, Bartek, let's go decapitate. <laughs>